And good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, whatever the case may be. Even throwing in a good evening. You're on the other side of midnight, that very special time between dusk and dawn, when usually at this time of night, all kinds of weird and creepy and strange and off-the-wall stories would come out. But of course now, as you know, if you've listened to this show for even a few months, let alone the few years that we have been on, actually it's what, half half a decade. Can you believe it's been five years since I started this harebrained crazy experiment when Art called me up and said, hey, you want to do a show? <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, um, we have some very complicated things to go through tonight. The lead story and the lead topic of the evening is, of course, going to be the Wuhan or Chinese coronavirus. And we have several major stories, so let me direct you to Radio with Pictures to start the show. You know by now how to get there for all you new listening members. Pay attention carefully. You go to the other side of midnight.com. That's our URL. That's our homepage. Click on tonight's banner with uh, Sherry Edwards listed prominently for February 8th the coronavirus silver bullet story. Click on that banner, and then that will take you to tonight's guest page, which is very, 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 very crazy and busy and crowded because we have a lot of information to go through. I mean, a lot. So let us begin. If you go to the top of the page, in fact, you're going to want to refresh the page frequently this evening because Kinthea is going to be adding some new things. And although we have kind of an automatic refresh that's now in the program. Um, we found out when we used it last week that it cut out everybody's video and audio from the program. And it made everybody think that we kind of dropped off the air. So I'm going to go back to the old-fashioned pre-Iowa app era where I tell you to refresh manually several times during the program. And you might want to just do that as a matter of, of course, just to see if Kinthea has posted a new link or a new uh, item that we haven't talked about. In fact, I'm doing it right now because she is posting fast links to the page. So if you if you don't have a fast link, which isn't up there, all you do is go to the other side of midnight.com, click on tonight's banner for February 8th. That will take you to the guest page. Just scroll down, scrolling, scrolling to my items. It isn't that much of a scroll. Number one, there's been a major political development in the coronavirus story, and we're going to be talking at great length with Robert Morningstar in the third hour and with Barbara Honiger about this um, about two-thirds of the way through the show. The White House, the Trump White House, the president's science advisor, who was head of the Office of Science and Technology Policy, that's the formal name for the White House science advisor's position, they have sent a letter to the National Science Foundation formally asking them to investigate whether the current Wuhan coronavirus, which technically is known by the name 2019-NCOV, was a bioengineered weapon by the Chinese military, which escaped the only level four lab in China, I believe, which is located, <clears throat> gosh, what a surprise, in Wuhan, only about 20 miles from the market that everyone is um, uh, looking toward as the center of where this uh, epidemic, uh, which really is now an epidemic, certainly in China, 
uh, first broke out back in December. I think it was around December 1. Now, it wasn't reported in the press until about a month later, but there was a lot going on in Wuhan in that critical month that uh, we need to take a look at. And there have been a lot of posts all over the Internet. Remember, the Internet is good news, bad news. The good news is everything is there. The bad news is what you need to trust. So you need multiple sources. You need to triangulate on particularly controversial political stories, like the idea that this was a bioweapon that escaped from the Wuhan lab. And you want to cross-correlate that with other information which Robert in the third hour will be bringing to our attention with a number of links, particularly some from Canada, which seems to be a player in this story, as well as a bizarre outshoot of the story coming out of Harvard, Harvard University in Boston, Massachusetts. Well, technically Cambridge. Anyway, we're going to be all over the world and all over the map tonight, so you're going to want to pay very close attention. And Kintia says, I only need to tell you all once to refresh when everything is posted. So, I mean, I, I believe in redundancy. I look at websites and I refresh several times, particularly on news sites, because breaking news today happens 24-7, and it costs you nothing to refresh. You know, there's no price to pay. So if you want to stay on top of the curve, uh, don't wait for me to tell you. Kind of do it throughout the evening just, you know, in case I miss something because there's a lot going on and I have to pay attention to a lot of things and Internet housekeeping is not the number one priority. Gosh, I can't imagine why. Okay, item number two. The Taiwanese news agency Tencent may have accidentally leaked real data over the last several days regarding the number of infections, that is the number of people, particularly in China, who have caught this virus, and equally important, if not more important, the number of people who have died. This is really important because, again, on the Internet, you know, no one knows you're a dog. People are posting all kinds of crazy stuff, and the art form is to be a wise news consumer, know how to balance sources, know how to gauge the credibility of the site you are looking at, and uh, then what we want to do is to make sure that you look at sources which we have vetted and which appear to be more than, uh, uh, you know, passing the credibility test for certainly a first view. So Tencent, which is the name of this Taiwanese news service, several times during their coverage over the last several days, they have posted one set of figures, and then they've quickly taken them down. And this has not been reported just by one uh, participant, one viewer, one subscriber, but by several people in various parts of the world which is how you know that the site has not been hacked. It's looking at real data. I mean, there were claims by the Chinese that Tencent had been hacked and people were posting, you know, fake uh, web pages. That is not what's going on. We've eliminated that possibility. This either is a coding error. Gosh, where did we hear that one before? Oh, yes, Iowa. Or, more likely, it's someone in the Taiwanese news organization who is just taking a major risk and posting real data to alert the world. So the rule of thumb now is that when you see official figures coming out of China, just multiply by a factor of 10. The number of infected, the number of people who have died, you know, those are two key numbers. 
Now, the next thing you're going to want to do is you're going to look at item number three. Everybody says, well, the answer, of course, is in a vaccine, like with SARS and like with MERS and like with bird flu and uh, even Ebola. There have been very serious attempts at creating a vaccine. The problem is, if you look at the traditional methods of creating vaccines, which we're not going to go into tonight, um, it takes years for, you know, development of the of the actual vaccine, then the protocols for testing, then retesting, then maybe modifications if the tests don't turn out the way they want. So we're looking at a lot of time. And the question is, do we have a lot of time? Because if you even look at the published Chinese numbers only for cases of recovery, full recovery, versus cases of patients who have died, and you do that <clears throat> very simple calculation, the Chinese official estimates for the fatalities has been hovering at 3.1%. In fact, if you go and look at that Tencent um, post, you'll see that it has been religiously 3.1, 3.1, all throughout the reporting of increasing cases of mortality. There should be variances. You know, no numbers ever are static. The real world has fluctuations from noise, from failure of reporting, from false reports. In other words, every real world incident has a certain error bar of, um, shall we say, misinformation or disinformation or just simple errors. So the fact that that number has stayed rigid at 3.1% for several days and then it switched to 2.1% and the same consistency has held for that number in the official Chinese reporting has given some observers, obviously not in China, um, cause of concern because they are suspecting very strongly that the um, numbers from China may in fact not be real numbers, that the government itself could in fact be tinkering with those numbers and artificially keeping the death rate low. Well, if you take the recovered cases and the reported death rate cases and you do that calculation, the percentage of fatality is not 2% or 3%. It's approaching 50%. Let me repeat that. If you forget the number of infected, which are immaterial because you can have thousands of those that are infected and they can all recover. The problem is you want to look at the cases that have been successfully cured where the patients have been discharged and have gone home versus those patients reported to have died. Those two numbers compared, the death rate of this virus is approaching 50%. This is very, very serious. I mean, very, very serious. Um, it just seems that there's something very unfortunate going on with both the uh, infection rate and with the death rate that is not being accurately reported from the Chinese. And again, we have now independent confirmation from the Taiwanese news service with a leakage of real numbers. Now, the reason that we think the Taiwanese may be giving us these snapshots of real data is because there was an independent research group several days ago who proposed that there were about 10 times the cases worldwide that were being reported. 
and that the mortality rate was also significantly higher up in that range. And they did a projection. They said that this virus was doubling in terms of cases being reported roughly every 6.4 days. And that in the doubling period after their initial analysis, um, there should be something like 150,000 cases a couple days ago. Well, one of the posts on the Taiwanese news service that leaked out was 154,000 and change, which is very much close to the 150,000 that this model had projected. So that's why we have another data point that says that this leak, if these are leaks through the Taiwanese news agencies, is in fact in the right ballpark within a few thousand people of what you would imagine if that model, that projective model of 10 times the current Chinese reportage is in the ballpark of being accurate. So um, this is, you know, presenting us with a very severe case of what do we do next? What in fact is the, um, uh, you know, modality that we can uh, turn to to actually solve the problem on a global basis because vaccines are not going to be uh, part of the solution, certainly not within the next few months and maybe not for the next year or so. So that's why we have uh, turned to our friend and guest and colleague, uh, Sherry Edwards. We asked her if she was looking into this and lo and behold, not only was she looking into it, but she was very well prepared to look into this. So we'll get to Sherry in a moment, but let me do one more item. If you look at the number four, there have been two major cruise ships with several thousand people, several thousand passengers. Uh, 3,800 was one quote I saw, and uh, I think that's for both ships. One is um, one. This is the Princess Cruise Line, I believe. There also was a cruise line, Royal Caribbean, which docked in Newark, New Jersey, and transported some people to the hospital and we're looking to see if they actually come down with symptoms but there was apparently a case on board that appeared very suspicious so we got three cruise ships one of which was docked in in the united states and the, and the affected patients were taken to a hospital the other two are anchored in japanese waters and in hong kong and the passengers are being quarantined on the ships when Robin and I went to Central America, we were incredibly lucky because uh, – I'm sorry, Mexico. We came back, and I forget the n name of the ship we were on. The very next cruise, that ship suffered catastrophic mechanical failures, was basically stranded in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico without air conditioning, without heat, without power, without plumbing. Conditions became execrable. If you're trapped on a cruise ship, under the best conditions, as these passengers are now quarantined in their cabins, none of the public areas are open. They're being kept in their cabins. Thousands of people below decks kept in their cabins. Those on the exterior who have windows and balconies, they're all right. But imagine being trapped in your cabin, a small shipboard cabin for 14 days which is the quarantine period to see if anyone on board comes down with the virus. Their, their meals are being delivered. 
by stewards in masks to their doors. You know, the steward comes, brings their food, knocks on the door, leaves quickly. Then people open the door. They reach out. They bring in you know, the trays and all that. and They eat in their room. They stay in their room. They're trying to do, you know, things on the closed-circuit television feeds on the ship. But can you imagine being quarantined in a little ship's cabin for over two weeks? Because the quarantine period didn't really begin until they reached Hong Kong and I think it's Yokohama in Japan where they are also anchored. So it looks to me uh, like we're definitely experiencing a global situation because there are, of course, now 12 cases here in the United States. There are cases in Europe. The only continent so far which has not reported any cases is Africa, which given the traffic between China and Africa and given the Chinese political inroads and economic inroads – in Chinese uh, African development programs, I'm very surprised that it um, seems to be, um, how should I say, quite unusual that we would have as few cases being reported out of Africa, namely one, um, as we have. And uh, it just it just seems to me the situation is deteriorating. We're having situational problems with reportage, with accuracy, with credibility. And so without further ado, um, let me introduce my first two guests of the evening. Uh, Sherry is, of course, being the first one. And then we have a surprise guest that she has brought on. Let me give you a thumbnail sketch of Sherry Edwards because she's been on the show before. She did a very major uh, show several months ago, which received very uh, you know, high responses. And so when this problem kind of blew up, one of the first people that I thought that we should perhaps check in with was Sherry Edwards. And this is why. Sherry has been accused of being too scientific by some and too esoteric by others. In actuality, she is a bridge between both fields of inquiry. Sherry Edwards is the acknowledged pioneer in the emerging field of vocal profiling using bioacoustic biology. She has for many years provided the leading-edge research to show the voice as a holographic representation of the body that can be used to change the face of medicine. From birth to death, we use sounds to express our needs and emotions, but there are additional layers of information hidden within the words. In modern times, we possess only limited conscious awareness of this information for ourselves, or as a means of interpreting the intentions of others. Vocal profiling has the ability to let us know the intention of our leaders, the motivations of our partners, the foundation of our sense of well-being, and would these abilities be of value in the struggle to attain domination of our intrinsic right to personal freedoms? Well, we're going to let you kind of come to that conclusion on your own when we get through this morning's program. Imagine a future in which the individual frequency-based biomarkers contained within the human voice can be used to keep us and our world healthy and emotionally balanced. Vocal profiling software has been developed that can use the components of the voice to create a matrix of information about anyone from fundamental DNA to hidden intentions of those who speak or claim to speak for us. Buckminster Fuller once said, in order to change something, don't struggle to change the existing model. Create a new model and make the old one obsolete. 
Sherry's intention is to demonstrate how the present system of health by government tyranny is both a tragedy and an opportunity for we the people to take charge of our own health using a new paradigm of self-help. So without further ado, Sherry Edwards, welcome back to the other side. Thank you for this opportunity to share this really important information with people. Well, in a few minutes, we're going to bring on a surprise guest uh, who has a rather amazing story to tell. But what I want you to do for all the new listeners that we've added to the show around the world, our, our network ratings are very high. As you may conceive, you go to the top of the homepage of the other side of midnight. There's a lot of people, Sherry, who are totally unfamiliar with your work. So why don't you begin with A, how you got into this, and then B, what the this is that you got into. <laughs> That's great. I got into it without knowing I got into it. I was raised in Appalachia where there's we had no electricity, no TV, no anything, so there's nothing to interfere with how my hearing developed. And I developed a hearing that's somewhat akin to a dolphin. I have a saculus in my ear that's been activated. It's something that is uh, active in a dolphin and dormant in humans. And from my hearing being developed unusually, I was to sing and produce notes and sounds that were very unusual sine waves, which humans aren't supposed to do. And so I, as I was this little kid, and I would talk to the trees and the carrots, and people just thought I was kind of nuts. But I was growing up with hearing these sounds from people and singing the back to them, and it would take away migraines and uh, blood flow. You know, somebody cut themselves. And so I didn't know that was unusual. And growing up, uh, I just, after I became adult, I thought maybe I was schizophrenic. <laughs> so this whole thing kind of developed because I wanted to know what I was hearing. And I've been tested in all kinds of labs. Hmm. And what what was I hearing and what was it doing? It could erase magnetic tapes. Um, that was an issue for the government when they discovered it. I could hear things that people were thinking but not saying. So I have this really unusual talent, and I just computerized it because I it was important what I could do and what I could hear, and I knew that it was going to die when I did, and I wanted everybody to be able to have it because it allowed me dominion over my own health and what was going on. I was helping other people, but it was all mechanical uh, with me singing. So now it's all computerized. We have it on the internet. We've been doing it. I counted up the other day, 40 years. I couldn't believe it. So we have some pretty tremendous things to share with people tonight, especially about the reversal of this coronavirus. You say you computerize it. What does that mean? Okay. We can now, uh, you can go online, you can leave us a vocal print, and your voice is a holographic representation of all that you are. So, Everything when, you, you, so when you say you can go online, do you mean you can just 
call with a cell phone, or do, do you need a special mic? Well, cell phones are really um, notoriously bad at reproduction. So you do need a special mic, and that's one of the kinks in the whole system. But the mics are cheap. You can get them at Amazon. And if you leave us one from just your cell phone, it's likely to be garbage in, garbage out. Although we did one today that was pretty significant, and it was from a bad mic. But we still could tell what was going on. Hmm. So... Are you? Do you have software that kind of filters out bad mics, or do you need a quality mic to pick up all the frequencies so you do an appropriate analysis? We need a non-filtered mic, sort of like a calibration mic for equipment, mm-hmm. so it gets all the low end of your voice. And most um, singing mics don't have that low end picked up. But we have an open workstation for a it's open to the public, and the vocal prints are free. And I know people think that's crazy to offer it free, and they don't respect it. And somebody said to me, if it's free, what good is it? You know, we offer this because we see what's happening as tyranny. We don't know who to believe. We don't know what to share, just like you are saying in the beginning. So we have uh, seven or eight things up there. One of them is coronal conflicts. That we can see okay, let's, by let's, the numbers. Let's, let's, let's do this systematically, okay? okay. You want, what you want to do, folks, is go to our homepage, the other side of midnight.com, click on tonight's banner, which says, um, uh, Is resonant frequency medicine a silver bullet for China's coronavirus epidemic? With Sherry Edwards' name there prominently next to the big, big red circle in China denoting the uh, epidemic clustered around Wuhan with the other little red circle showing where patients have been reported <clears throat> in the United States, in uh, India, in, uh, I think, uh, I don't see Taiwan there. I, I do see Indonesia. I mean, that's, there's an actual better version of the map in some of the links that uh, you can click on. Go to that. Yes, yes, Kanthea? When they get to the page, if they see the fast links, we're in like, you know, it's all good to go. You can oh, okay. cruise around the page. All right. Let me so that's it. Myself. Okay. Refreshing. Okay, yes, right up under the banner on the guest page, you've got fast links to me, to Sherry, to Charlie, to Robert, to Barbara, and then fast links to the bios with Sherry and James and the others. So you want to click on Sherry's fast links that will take you down to her section of radio with pictures. And let's start with number one, Corona portal 77, the PowerPoint presentation. What is that? You're asking me mm-hmm. that's, that's numbers, uh, things that we put up that we thought were important to people. Uh, some of the numbers we put up for some of the, other flus, what to do about this, um, some nutrients they can take, and a list of frequencies that they can use with a generator that we've posted there to antidote these frequencies. Now, these, this flu was very, very cleverly produced. Normally, we can produce no, wait, wait, an wait, 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 wait. You, you're saying that with certitude. So it's your belief based on your research, independent of anybody else, that this is a bioengineered virus. Is that correct? 
from the numbers, it looks like it is. But I have to tell people, I've never worked with the coronavirus. I'm only extrapolating from other things that we have done with Epstein-Barr and herpes and things like that, that it works very well with the same protocol. Well, of course, you're in good company because there are a number of researchers, including now the, uh, you know, the U.S. government, the White House itself, which are suspecting uh, that this is a bioengineered weapon which somehow escaped from the Wuhan lab. Uh, you have that letter from the president's science advisor over to the National Academy of Sciences asking them to you know, look at this very seriously, and there will be obviously a report coming in. I don't know how long the report will take, probably months. But we don't have months, so let's go back to your protocols, okay? Okay. When we look at what uh, has been posted here, it, and we can ask our composer, a person that's coming on, normally when we look at the flu, and we've been doing this for 20 years, putting out antidotes to the flu viruses, and we put some of them up, these are from rife-like uh, devices, and pathogens really are killed. Hold it there. We're at the bottom of the hour. My guest this morning is Sherry Edwards. We have a whole bunch of other guests we're going to be bringing on with various slants and takes and information uh, modules on this uh, epidemic that's erupted in China. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. want to uh, talk a bit about hope for some people tonight that we need to keep in our thoughts and prayers and hope for a better world that we can actually help them achieve. I'm talking, of course, about the people in the Bahamas. Um, if you go to the other side of midnight.com, uh, that's our homepage, and click on that banner which says at the top, Save Lives, Pure Water for the Bahamas. We have been introduced to a technology. It's a filtering technology in uh, uh, a certain kind of non-allergenic plastic form. Um, you buy one of these bottles with a filter. It will replace something like 500 ordinary bottles of, of uh, mineral water, whatever, the kind that they've been shipping to these disaster sites, you know, on pallets and letting sit outside in the sun. And obviously they're not in non-allergenic pl plastic, so the water is ruined and Thousands of tons of water that was supposed to reach the victims of Hurricane Marie sat there and, and rotted in the sun. The same thing's been happening in the Bahamas. If tonight you want to do something to inject meaningful change into a whole group of people's lives, 60 to 100,000 people on those two northern Bahama islands tonight, just go to that site, click on that banner, and then scroll down below the Yes, I Want to Help button. And there's a video that was shot right after the um, uh, Dorian disaster. I saw a video a couple days ago. Nothing has changed. It is like living in an apocalypse. It is like living in, you know, the land of the Lord of the Flies. It's living in conditions 
that you tonight listening to my voice cannot imagine you sustaining 24 hours, 36 hours, two months, five months, you know, a year, five years. It's, it's impossible. They've, they've been trying to bring water in from desalinization. I think the U.S. Navy has brought a couple of ships and anchored them, you know, in the northern ports there. And they desalinize seawater to provide water for the inhabitants on the islands. But it's costing $7 per gallon to produce one gallon of fresh water from the surrounding seawater. This technology, which we are privy to, which you can buy by clicking on that button, as many of these bottles of water, life-saving water, and send to the Bahamas as you can afford tonight. And yes, it's tax deductible, because it's a nonprofit association that we're in league with, which is doing this. There's no quicker, more effective way in this season to transform someone's life than to give them the gift of life, which is pure 99.99% pure water. And the bottle and the system is recyclable. And all you do is change the filter after the equivalent of about 500 ordinary plastic water bottles. And the bottles that they're in, the actual water bottles that you're sending, they will last essentially forever. And they will reach how many people? A thousand. 5,000, 10,000. So do whatever you can, open your heart, and make a difference in someone's life tonight. side of midnight. My guest this morning, one of many that will be dropping in throughout the morning, is Sherry Edwards, who's developed this extraordinary technology. And it really is a technology, because she's now gone from personally being able to do this with her own voice to where it is now digitized, is computerized. And if you have the right microphone, which I presume, Sherry, you simply can get as an add-on to plug into your cell phone, so you have this full-spectrum record of your voice transmitted to the appropriate site on your website, which then, with the computer, does an analysis of the frequency spread in the call these folks are making to your site. Is that correct? Yes, they have to download something called Sound Recorder, and that's the best one we found for the phones. Okay. And what happens, what, what, what happens after that? Let's say someone in the in the audience tonight and we got to give them the background as to why this is really crucially important why this really is a technology this really works and we're going to bring on a testimonial from a friend of yours uh, someone that I've admired from afar for many years he is uh well let's just say he's a major figure in Hollywood and his life was almost the death's door when he discovered your work and your technology so we'll have him come on in a little while but let's go through the background of how this works. If someone gets the software, 
downloads it uses this microphone that you're going to tell them how to acquire to call the website, your website. As you do the analysis, what happens next? Well, they don't have to uh, have any of the software. They just go on the soundhealthportal.com under services, and they'll say coronal conflicts, among other things like Gardasil and BioDye. There's a bunch of stuff there they can do. And it gives them instructions bit by bit, and it gives them a tutorial. And they just go to leave us a vocal print and choose coronal conflicts, uh, talk for their 30 seconds, talk twice if they want. Uh, we could be thorough and check them against each other. They say hit the button and it sends it to us. And we, the computer looks at our databases and picks that particular one and sends them a report. Wow. So give me some background into how you figured out that this really was, as I said in, in the banner, a silver bullet for not just the current problem, but for an entire range of medical issues that, you know, reach into the dark corners of, of areas where medical science literally has been stumped for, for, for decades. In the 80s, we did a project and it was published in Nexus Magazine. So this is like 35, 40 years. And it's one of the most downloaded articles that they have. We took bacteria and put it on a slide. I looked into the microscope. I got the frequency for it, just like I get frequencies from people because of my hearing. And I began to sing to that slide. And what happened is that bacteria had taken, it looked like a bubble, slimy stuff from your blood that you didn't digest properly. And people with A blood are more susceptible to this than others. And I kept singing to this bacteria that had this bubble around it. And you could see the killer cells in the blood just sitting there, not doing anything. So when this bubble began to break away, it was like the killer cells woke up and said, oh, we got to get this guy because the bacteria was cloaked until we were breaking away that entire bubble. It ah. took eight minutes. took eight minutes for it to break it away completely. And we have uh, an article that's up on your site that shows the pictures of this. Okay, from there, we knew we could do something and how to decode this bacteria. So the next project we did was with AIDS virus. And we were able to significantly reduce the viral load. And those lab uh, pictures are in the article also. So from there, we began to extrapolate what could we do with um, herpes and vaccines. And we established protocols. And for years, it worked on the flu. Um, we gave the frequencies to our guest. And he can tell that story, but these frequencies were able to reverse um, antibiotic-resistant pneumonia. Mm. But, but with the coronavirus, there was a big switch. Normally, we take the frequency of the gene and we build an antidote. In this case, and it's the only one we've seen so far, the deactivator for the gene was the activator for the protein. So mm. either somebody's been studying my work because now we can't, we couldn't antidote 
the gene. The gene comes in, you get exposed like measles or something, and then the gene sets up household and it's um, whatever it puts off, it's byproducts, it's poop, whatever. That's what makes you sick. And so we had to go in just with this coronavirus and create new formulas. And we have done it and we've posted it on what you put in these slides on your um, your site. And it's awesome that you've done this because we've been able to back off so many things with this protocol and to be able to put this up and give it to people. And we also did a pneumonic plague and bubonic plague uh, from past. So that's available to the public only if they use rice-like machines and they need to do a binaural beat. And we have given them um, something online. They could probably find it other places too. But a place where they can go in and use digital frequencies that we've posted to try to back this off. Now I'm going to present the question for our guests. This entire um, bacteria, virus, whatever it is. It's, 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 it's a virus, okay? Virus. It only is in one scale. It's only in the 224 scale instead of 224.40. The virus, the gene and the protein is the A and the A sharp of one scale, and I had to go through thousands of numbers to decode this, and it's like five and five is 10, and that's very balanced. Nine and one is 10, and that's very unbalanced. What are the chances that I could run through thousands of decodes with this stuff, and it would come up in one scale? If you ever hear what our guest has developed for um, pneumonia, it doesn't sound like a scale. So we should ask him, what is the chances? And I've decoded new things today. They added eight new proteins last week, and now there's 14. And I've decoded them all. So we'll be adding to this as we go. And they are very similar um, in scale. I I just think that's like a bazillion to one, but I'm not a composer, so I don't know. Hmm. Okay, let's bring James on. James Marshall was born James David Greenblatt in Queens, New York, USA, to Charlotte Bullard, a dancer, and William R. Greenblatt, a producer and director. James grew up in Bergen County, New Jersey. At the age of 15, he moved with his family to Los Angeles, where he attended Santa Monica High School. Once high school was over, James attended acting classes and struggled to break into Hollywood. His father offered to help James, but he didn't want to take the nepotism route. Coming from a family of entertainers, his mother, a former Radio City Music Hall Rockette, and his sister, a musician, he had Hollywood in sight, accepting small acting parts, working as a messenger, as well as at a pizzeria. James felt the pressure of the business. He made a big splash when director David Lynch, a name I'm sure you will remember, cast Marshall for his new series entitled Twin Peaks. Playing the moody biker boyfriend of Laura Palmer thrust James Marshall into the living rooms of millions and introduced the new actor to a captivated audience. 
By early 1990, his career took a turn into the silver screen with an appearance in the movie Cadence starring Martin Sheen and Charlie Sheen. This led to his first starring role with a major movie studio. The movie was the 1992 boxing drama Gladiator. Three months of rigorous training was put into the role before even getting to the set. The buzz on Marshall was so great that director Rob Reiner then cast James and co-star Cuba Gooding Jr. in his upcoming film, A Few Good Men. The movie was an excellent springboard towards a busy acting career. James continued working steadily in television, movies, and features, and in May of 1998, he married actress Renee Allman. They have appeared together in features, Criminal Affairs, The Doomsday Man, and together they have two children, Dusty Griffin and James David, who were born in January of 2002. The Happy family lived together in the Los Angeles area. James continues to work on a host of television movies and film projects, and he is an accomplished author, an artist, and a musician, who is currently working on a new album and the music for something called The Coronavirus. But this is where the story takes a very strange turn, because James your incredibly promising career. I saw A Few Good Men, a heck of a movie. I mean, really first rate. What happened to basically put your entire life and your entire projected career into very serious doubt? Well, um, it's basically an odyssey that I'm going to attempt to put in a nutshell. But I do have to say it's an honor meeting you. I've followed you for years and years and years and years. You really, really made, had an effect on my life uh, with the, the Mars stuff and all that. So really neat meeting you. But um, yeah, it's uh, basically right right after the movie, I had bought this house, which... Um, which which movie are we talking about now? A few, I'm sorry, A Few Good Men. A Few Good like Men. What okay. you just mentioned, but, uh, you you the, can't the, handle the truth, <laughs> <laughs> which kind of could be the uh, subtitle of tonight's show. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, it's a not not an easy one. That's why I have an antidote story for you, and I'm not sure if tonight's the right time to do it because it's a little heavy tonight, you know. So it's like it's kind of a light antidote story. But um, I had I had you know I bought this house and and uh, with the money from the movie and uh, things were going great and and I I'm not going to get into there's some issues with some stuff on whether or not something caused something or not legally. So I can't get into what caused my issue really, but I was perfectly healthy. And then my entire, within nine months uh, of being diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis and I think it was like 93, I think. And I was, I was then nine months later, I had the entire large intestine removed because oh with God. an emergency surgery. So it was like, it, it was a poisoning, but I can't really talk about like, all that because of certain legal reasons on why, you know, certain things are because of certain other things. So what had happened was I was emaciated because I was trying to fight it on my own because, um, uh, every meditation that I did back then seemed to help whenever I had a flare up of colitis and stuff. Uh, during that nine months. Um, right. But it kept getting worse and worse. And then I do these meditations and I, I, I like, you know, work out real hard and force myself to get in this really great same of mine. And for some reason it really would stop the bleeding and whatnot. 
about two days later, it would all kick in again. And it was really bad, really worse. And ended up. Anyway, I was in, in, the, in the hospital for about four months. In that four months, I had basically soaked in, and thank God for it. I'm not putting down the whole, the Western medicine has a lot of bad rap for a lot of the stuff. And it also has, saves lives. It's also a very, very good thing. Um, and it did save my life. But at the same time, when you're laying there and you're on intravenous antibiotics that are like, the kind of antibiotics they use for chemotherapy, basically, like very, very hardcore antibiotics. And I was wow. about 90 pounds and for about four months, and I was just basically laying there in the hospital. Long story short, later on, I, as I tried to get better once I made it and I was released from the hospital and stuff, I was emaciated, so I didn't really work as an actor. They thought, they thought I was either doing drugs, had a disease, they didn't know what was wrong. Mm. So the casting people, as soon as they saw me, immediately were like, oh, no, you know. He's got, an, he's got an issue. Something's wrong with us. You know. Well, just for so, comparison, what did you weigh and what did you look like before? I mean, I remember well, you in, in Few Good Men, you looked like a very healthy guy. Yeah, and in Gladiator, I was, you know, I had, you know, a very in shape. I was always in shape. I like to stay in shape. It just made me, um, made my head better. Everybody thought it was because, you know, some kind of conceited thing or not. It always made me <laughs> just feel better. I was able to you know, think straighter and all that stuff. And, and I felt good. So, uh, well, it's a proven usual... fact that exercise, even walking changes your attitude, changes blood chemistry, changes everything. You know, everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great thing. So, uh, and like since then, that's been part of the problem, you know, whatever, I haven't been able to exercise the way I used to, but, um, it, it, what ended up happening was I was very toxic. So as I tried to gain the weight back, I hadn't realized it at the time, but basically my enzymatic system had shut down mm. and um, I, I had echo weight gained at first. So where, did, where did, you, did, did you go the route of trying protein shakes and those kinds of things for bodybuilding? Oh, oh, oh yeah. Everything. No, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't go on hormones or whatever, which actually, you know, probably maybe should have, but, um, I didn't, I, I was doing protein shakes, but I was heavily lactose intolerant. So after, after the hospital, after that kind of poisoning, my body was behaving allergic to everything. It was rejecting everything. And I can only eat very bland things. And it was, you know, so I would have to pick out these certain protein shakes, very tedious and yet enough. But what was happening was I wasn't, I gained, I came out of the hospital at 115 pounds. I was there most of the time. I was about 90, but once I got up past 112, they let me go home. And then at home, I had a home care nurse. I don't get into all the drama. But then I, I, I slowly put the weight back on, and it got on like nice. It was about 135, I think, almost 140. And I was like, oh, good, okay. You know, and I'm eating as much as I can. And yeah, it was making me feel a little funny. I was a little allergic to some stuff, but you know what? And then it all came off again. And I called the doctor, and he said, that's echo weight. You'll, the surgeon said, he knew more than my other doctor. He, the surgeon said, there's echo weight that's going to come back on, and then you're slowly going to – it's going to come off. You're going to have to find a way to turn it all back on again, to turn your system back on again. And I thought he meant like – and he said the absorption system, and I thought he meant just keep eating, and he kind of did say that. He said eat a lot of uh, enzymatic foods, a lot of enzymes, a lot of – okay. So I'm fighting to do this, and finally I meet Cherry because, again, this is a wonderful, funny thing. is like coast to coast. Because of what I have – uh, you know, I'm tied to a bathroom a lot of the time. I was, uh, you know, I was way worse. I used to have to go to the bathroom like 14 times a day because I have a much shorter system. They mm -hmm. basically take out the large intestine and then retie it and create a new thing down there. So you're reconnected and everything's 
you know, inside and it somewhat looks normal, but it's a much shorter system. So, um, I was listening to coast to coast one night and, you know, that's one of my therapies that I discovered, you know, after the hospital, I was up late and discovered the show and, and I started listening. And then, then, you know, a few years later, Sherry came on and I just, Oh, that's the other thing. Um, right before the hospital. And that's why I knew Sherry was real is because right before the hospital, I was going to a yoga class because I, I, like I said, I would do yoga and meditation to try to fight off the, the, the colitis attacks, which really would work sometimes for a short amount of time. Yoga class, uh, the, the gentleman who was, there was a Sikh and he was doing the yoga, blah, blah, blah. He said, come back. I have a, a healing center thing I'm doing at home and come back and, you know, I'll give you a couple of freebies and I think you need help. Cause I could see you, your, he said at the time, your pain body is very high mm. and you know, you keep getting lighter and just come on. And he brings me into this little hut and he's much, you know, at the time I thought, Oh, now I'm my age, you know, but he, I was in my early twenties. He was 50 something, you know, but he had this rock star level amount of uh, synthesizers and stuff in this tiny little room in Hollywood next to his house. And he's a full Sikh. He's an American Sikh, you know, beard, white, white turban. Um, and he's in this room with all these synthesizers and, there's, it's, it's like uh, real dark and there's like shamanic stuff all over the walls, like deer antlers and, and like a shamanic wrap with something in it with some sage next to it. And just, you know, really, you know, very intensely earthy and very quiet yet high tech. And there's this bed laying there and I'm like, and it's a very narrow bed and it was very, uh, very, very thick mattress. And he goes, lay on that. And I laid on it and he goes, there's woofers underneath there. And he goes, I'm going to take away the pain. Oh. And I went, okay. And now I was in, when they brought me over, I was in the kind of pain and the sounds, you know, and I have the witnesses to it. I basically, because that two days later, I had to go in for emergency. So I think it was like two or three days later. I went into the hospital after that. But when I was walking, I was, I was in knife uh, wound level pain because the, the peritonitis stuff had almost already started because the perforations were starting in the system that it was like, I, I was so, the uh, colon was so thin, the skin had become so thin that the pain level was so insane. I, I had to walk like in like a 105 year old man. I would walk oh like these tiny little God. baby steps in intense pain. And the people who brought me there, because I was fighting to not go to the hospital, you know, because I knew they were going to cut me open, put a colostomy bag on me, redo another surgery, take away the colostomy bag. And there was a big maybe there. There was like, well, maybe, you know, you may not make it, you know, and maybe you might have to have the glossary back to the rest of your life. And maybe you're going to have to have these huge major adjustments, which you're going to have to have that. Yeah. I was like, no, fight, 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 fight. So that's why I fought till I was, when I went in, I was about 115. So when I, when I went out, it was 115. But then in the hospital, I was 90. But when I went into Guru Singh's sound bed and laid on the sound bed, when I felt the tones going in again, when I got there and every bump that the Jeep made that the girl who brought me to the she, cause she's the one who got me to the yoga class. She drove me to his place to get healed. And every bump would her, I, you know, and it was like gunshot pain. And I'd, oh, I'd go walking down I, the baby step stuff all the way into Groove Singh's thing. And she saw this. I, I went into his thing, 45 minutes on the sound bed. I went out, I passed out. I, I was in so much pain. I hadn't slept for like three days or something. I laid on the sound bed and just all the way out. I woke up. And, and by the way, because I was lighter and I was racked like that, my voice was about up like here. And I couldn't really, like, it was really rough. Like, people were just, you know, they're like, get in the hospital. And Guru Singh, too, he said, you need to go in the hospital. But he said, this will take away the pain for now. 
And when I woke up, my voice was completely full. I woke up completely out of pain. I like, and I said, I go, wow. She flips out the girl who drove me. I, I get out and I come bounding out to her. I come running. I was like, you're, you're, it worked. Look at this. I'm completely out of pain. And, and she was like, she flipped because she's the, the one who's telling me about and folding it up and it really works and all this. And she still flipped out because she, she saw the level I was in. And she was just like, my God. And then I went back for another one, I think it was, a day later. And then I went, he said, you've got to go in the hospital. Something's going to happen. And he was right because I was getting peritonitis. Right. I mean, it was close to peritonitis. So, um, so finally, I yeah, I did end up going to the hospital. But well, I had the memory of, you know, and he even said, and I thought, you know, if I had discovered him sooner, and he even said that, he goes, if, if we discovered this a little sooner, we could have worked with this maybe, but you're way too far down. Um, but when I, my memory coming out of the hospital was my, uh, he took away that pain. Like he took away the kind of pain that was uh, like, literally, I, I, it was like, I who didn't want to go to the hospital to do all that stuff is going, I'm going and I can't take this. Like, I mean, and it was gone with, with sound. So then cut to way later on, and I'm still in not such great shape. I'm how still much, how, how, James, James how, how much later between the, the session with the seek, then the hospital, then discovering Sherry on coast? Long time. Uh, significant amount of time. Years? Was, years? Yeah. Yeah. It was um, because I, I had – that's why I said she's she's – she basically, there's like three, she was the partaker of saving my life. There's like three elements that saved my life, I consider, in this situation. And she's the one of the main ones that, because I further kept getting worse. And then, anyway, what had happened, what happened was, there was a few days later after the seat that I went back up to this little apartment I had. And she checked on me, the girl who dropped me off. She came up, checked on me. Oh, fine, I'm not going to go into the hospital yet. I, I just want to see if I can, I'm like an idiot. And I'm going, I'm just going to fight. She left. Maybe about 20 minutes later, my head dropped. And I didn't know this, but dummy had, had uh, when you have colitis, you're bleeding. And I didn't, take into con- I didn't take into consideration that I had lost more than half my blood. Oh, my. <laughs> so I, 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 I Hold it there. We're at the top of the hour. My guest this morning is Sherry Edwards the silent partner in the background, and a guy whose life she literally turned around, who saved an up-and-coming young actor, starred in many movies you've probably seen with David Lynch and and uh, A Few Good Men. And it's This is the story of a technological, scientific, cutting-edge frontier miracle. The same technology that maybe could intervene in this pending global epidemic of the coronavirus do not touch that dial you're on the other side of midnight my name is richard c hoagland and we shall return thanks for listening to this exciting first hour now the second and third hour of the show is available to club 19.5 members only please support the show by subscribing to club 19.5 and join our very interesting community to do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed, 
and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out.